So what I'm hearing is that people are going to fight or flight. If it's unresolved or they just don't, whatever, whatever reason, if it gets to overwhelm, they end up in freeze, which is more like depression-y, kind of numb disassociation. And as they come out of depression, they can go through what's called the flood, which is, yeah. which is where you're referring to overwhelm. Um, but that's on their their nervous system is re-regulating, but they're yeah. they're reconnecting with feelings again, and and then if if they don't freak out or run away from the therapist saying it's got worse <laughs> or whatever, and you actually they recognise what's going on, they can move through that and get back to a balanced, regulated, healthy, functioning autonomic nervous system. Hello and welcome to the Mind Detox Podcast. I'm your host, Sandy Newbigging. For today's episode, I talk to Dr. Melanie Salmon, who's the creator of Quantum Energy Coaching, or QEC. I asked Dr. Melanie about using her technique to support the healing of common problems that millions of us are dealing with, including medical conditions and emotional issues like anxiety, depression, and grief. Stay tuned because I also asked Dr. Melanie about her views on spirituality and also how we can use her technique to attract more of what we want into our life. This is one of my most favorite interviews ever. So stay tuned to learn all about mind-body healing and manifestation. And if you want to experience QEC for yourself, then check out my website, minddetox.com, to book some one-on-one sessions with me. So hello and welcome to this chit-chat uh, interview with uh, the amazing, wonderful, uh, <laughs> life-changing Dr. Melanie Salmon. Hello, Dr. Melanie. Hello, hello. Don't embarrass me now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I love about you is your modesty. Um, you've really uh, changed my life and many others with your QEC technique. Um, this this is our second interview. Uh, we did one last year, maybe? Uh, maybe a year before. I can't remember already. Um, but because you kind of gave more of your background of yourself last time, I'm wondering, just because we're going to be referring to QEC tonight, can, we just, can you start with a brief intro as to what QEC is? So when we refer to it, people have an idea of what, what actually is gosh okay uh, it's not easy to to say in one sentence so it stands for quantum energy coaching and the reason i a lot of people ask me why did i name it that uh well i think the main thing is that we're i what i'm really working with what i understand is that our body is a quantum field we're actually quantum holograms at the uh, microscopic level we're not we're not the solid body that we think we are, and uh, unfortunately, modern medicine, which I was in, it doesn't really understand that yet. They're a little bit behind in in understanding quantum physics, sadly. Uh, so, quantum energy coaching is a way of um, having dialogue or coaching with somebody, but at the same time, recognizing that if any change is needed to happen, it's got to happen at the quantum field. And the only access to that quantum field is through the bigger computer of the subconscious mind. Our, our conscious mind, our talking minds, just aren't big enough to evoke change. So uh, I found a way to work with the subconscious mind, the big computer. 
And uh, yeah, and that's how we, we can bring about change that is much bigger and more profound, quicker and safer at the same time. So although I'm, I'm a, an advocate for, you know, different tools for different times and they all serve a purpose, um, this, this is one of the reasons why some people get really frustrated with the classical talk therapy, right? Because they're, they're talking about stuff, but they, they don't necessarily feel that it's moving them forward as fast as they might wish. Is, is that, can you expand upon that a little bit so people understand the, the difference a bit more? Yeah, you see, I was, uh, I was a GP, but I was also trained in uh, gestalt psychotherapy. So I became a psychotherapist and I, I did that alongside general practice for a good 25 years. And I was very frustrated that people weren't shifting things that were important to them with the talk therapy alone. And I was good. You know, I knew what I was doing and they used to tell me I was a good therapist and I couldn't understand why people weren't getting better. And they were still with me, you know, after five years of weekly therapy. Um, and it was only really when I when I learned about the subconscious mind having the power for change that I realized that talk therapy doesn't have that power. So the, what talk therapy does do, I mean, it is still very valuable, but it has a different method. The, the idea of, of talk therapy, certainly in Gestalt for me, was to raise awareness. So through the relationship of trust and through discussing about what's going on in your life, I'm able to shine the light of awareness on your issues. And the belief is, it certainly was by Fritz Perls who, who developed uh, Gestalt, the belief is that awareness is key to everything. So once you become aware of your problem, you'll get better all by yourself. Now, now that does happen for the ordinary everyday stuff. But man, it doesn't happen for trauma. You can forget it. You can't get better knowing as you can be as I was an expert in my own trauma when I went to Gestalt therapy myself. I knew all about it. I was walking around in it. I was crying in it. I was beating cushions in my Gestalt thing, but I never got better. And that's the difference. You see, I realized that I had to find a way of working that could help uh, things that were hardwired. Um, and, and trauma is one of them. Addictions are another so, uh, so yeah, yeah, that, that's the difference essentially. And, and you know, I know you you taught me uh, some elements of Gestalt therapy, and and it makes it's such a, such a difference. You know, I remember our, our we were like into maybe one on one sessions, maybe session four or five, and it wasn't until then that through the Gestalt therapy I could see that I was still presenting to you a, a facade of the the version of me I wanted you to see, and it was so obvious that how could you help me if I wasn't actually showing you me and. What is it about Gestalt that can help someone to actually get through that barrier so you're actually talking about the real issues? Like, what do you think makes that that technique able to do that? Well, I, I think what is so beautiful about Gestalt, which is why I was attracted to train in it, is is this idea of um, that they, they use... Um, a method called phenomenology, which mm -hmm. is about, it, it's a way of being present with somebody where you are so fully present that you tune into them. And, and, and it's a sensitivity to the other human being coupled with immense respect. So there's no pushing, there's no trying to manipulate your client to go somewhere that you think they should go. It, it's a deeply, almost sacred way of being with another human being. And that's what helps people to, to want to open up, to want to go further, to want to take the mask off and say, 
hey, you know, I, I trust you. I can see you respect me. I can see you here only for my highest good. So I'm going to show you the pain on the inside. So I think it's that whole phenomenological approach, which uh, it, it is it was very unique in, in, in many ways to Gestalt, that attracted me to it. It was the sacred present moment, present, present-centered, being in tune with the client that I found a lovely way to be. And, and that's why I used it for, for my QVC. It's, it's the foundation of QVC. This is what I teach my students to be that way, essentially, when they're trying to find out what, what a person's problem is. And that, that's almost like, it almost seems like a little bit counterintuitive because what you're, what I'm hearing is when you first start the conversation, you're not trying to fix the person at that moment in time. Yes. And what, what difference does that make, do you feel? To me or to the client? To the, to the, yeah, to the dialogue, to the client. Like what, it's, it seems almost counterintuitive <laughs> to have that period of dialogue where actually the, the therapist isn't actually trying to fix, change, heal or whatever the person. What are they doing instead at that moment in time? Well, the the idea that you're not there to fix somebody else is the very core of Gestalt and it's the core of QEC. In fact, I see QEC as self-help. I give the client the opportunity for the magic wand or the miracle. I, it's nothing to do with me. So so not fixing somebody is essential, I believe, to successful psychotherapy or any any form of su- successful QEC. The minute that you want to fix somebody, then you're in a different role. Then you're in a role like a doctor or a nurse or a coach who has a certain agenda with an end goal to meet. It's a very, very different experience. It's not That's not healing. That's not generating uh, healing within the person. A, a human being, when they're fully listened to and not being pushed to get somewhere or to, you know, get fixed, is changes their entire structure of who they are. They start to become empowered. They start to let go of defense. And they start to become engaged and curious and interested in change. It's a wonderful, it's a completely different way of working. And in fact, uh, you know, I, I had a really awful childhood because of all my trauma, but I'd learned Gestalt by the time I had my own children. And so what I did was I employed that principle of being present without trying to fix my own kids when they were like five, six, seven, eight. I would just sort of be curious and say, oh, what do you want to do next? And, wow, I can see you're excited now. And thank goodness I had that because if I, you know, repeated what was done to me, that probably would be a mess by now. So I found that even in child upbringing and in parenting, that using that I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to respect you and help you grow at your own pace. You know, it's fabulous. Yeah. Uh, And linked, but moving on a little bit, I I meet a lot of people that when they hear the word trauma, it's very daunting word and and they can get scared about the kind of worms they might open up. Um, what, What would your, what would your words of wisdom be to that person that might be wanting to do this? but they're scared of opening that kind of worms up, especially when they hear the word trauma. 
Yeah, it's funny that that this has come up quite a lot recently with me, with clients who said that they're scared of trauma, they're scared of opening the can of worms, as you put it. And I'm not sure what the fear is, um, because the reality is that every single one of us on the planet has suffered trauma. So it, it, it it's a universal human condition. And, and in recent years, it's been very obvious. It's been very out there that we're all suffering. People have lost jobs. They've lost family members that who have died. I mean, there's just no end of, of trauma. So why is there this fear around trauma? I think that people think that if you're, you're going to be talking to somebody about it, that you're going to have to walk around in the pain. You're going to have to cry and 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 have a, an unpleasant experience um whereas in fact having a conversation about uh, about your trauma with me it isn't that way at all it's not not the way i function uh, um psychotherapy certainly does require you to go back and feel what you felt because that's the the awareness process is created that way so you would go back and you would be encouraged to feel it all again in its fullness. But in QEC, um, we don't do that at all. We just get the story and we move very quickly into finding the way to heal from it, which is in an energy frequency of of gratitude. So by the end of the session, people are feeling lighter and grateful. And, and, and they go, wow, I went through a whole trauma thing with you and I'm feeling so light. I feel like a burden has been lifted. Mm-hmm. So so this fear is unrealistic. Um, I think people are just naturally afraid of something that they don't really want to look at. I think that's an amazing response. Because I think in my, my two pens would be one of the big things people are scared of with opening the can of worms is the emotions and feelings that are in that can. And how do, how what would you say to the person that says, well, you're bypassing to not feel and just go straight to the story? I, I just want to cover that just in case that doubt's there for someone. Um, you know, there's, there's a famous phrase, to heal, you've got to feel, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm just yeah. curious about what we might say to that person who's listening. Well, I'm I'm not saying that, that you don't feel, and people do feel when they're in uh, in session with me. They may be triggered to feeling the sadness or the grief or the fear, whatever it is. But what I'm saying is that the, the therapeutic process in QVC doesn't require that we stay and prolong that experience. Okay, we, we move through it fairly quickly. Yeah. And it gets acknowledged, it gets recognized, but it's not necessary for your healing to to walk around in you know in that dark valley it's not necessary it doesn't create the healing the healing is not coming from walking around in the valley of death in the way that it is in psychotherapy before i get into the questions i plan to ask you (laughs) um sometimes i have people that you know Everything in this world is so instant gratification, instant, you know, everything's instant, instant, instant. And, and I think healing is kind of, people are trying, it's falling into that category a little bit and people are looking for these this quick fix. That's not been my experience. I've experienced progress and, and quick progress, but, it, but when it comes to the fix idea, how do you deal with someone that's really uh, focused on getting their health condition fixed, like ASAP or whatever, like, do you think that it's a kind of it can be quick, but it, they need to do, also be willing 
for it to sometimes be a longer term thing? Or what would you say the right attitude is for someone to enter a, a therapy relationship when it comes to speed? Um, well, I don't think that that therapeutic healing is a quick fix. You know, it, it's certainly what I do, QEC, when we're working with the subconscious mind, it is more, it is quicker. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would be working five years with a client in Gestalt, and now it would be five months, or sometimes in the younger people, people between the 20s and 30s, heal even more quickly, and for them it may just be five weeks. So mm-hmm. it's anything from five weeks to a year would be the, the, the span of what I do. So if anybody comes to me and says that they want you know, a magic wand or a miracle to be fixed overnight, I would tell them that they're being unrealistic and explain why. Mm-hmm. I would give them the time frame that this does take, and I would say that, uh, you know, the, the, the efforts and dedication put into spending that time is is well worth it. So mm-hmm. I, I would try and talk them out of it, and but always explain. Uh, one of the things that is the most key part of my, my work is healing the autonomic nervous system, which is that part of us that gets automatically switched on to fight and flight. And a lot of people who are in uh, this sort of fight and flight mode are rushing around, you know, holding all these balls in the air. And they're the ones who want to let that go quickly. And I explained to them that it takes at least four sessions of instruction to that autonomic nervous system for it to begin to settle down. And then we still need to do the work of whatever it was that put it there in the first place. We need to go 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 to that causative uh, story or the trauma, whatever it might be. And, you know, it's relatively quick. And what I tell them is that you will feel better from, you know, rushing around and the anxiety will go uh, for some people. In fact, I was just um, looking at a recording this afternoon of somebody who's uh, allowing me to use them for my new intergenerational trauma work. And she said that she'd had panic attacks and severe anxiety for 10 months when she saw me and we put in the statement to the nervous system to begin relaxing it, the anxiety was gone the next day. And uh, she was so stunned by this that she eventually came on the training and so on. So, uh, and now we're doing her intergenerational trauma because that's where it actually came from in the first place. So I'm getting fascinated. I'm, I'm, I'm going off the topic here. But um, yeah, some of our problems come from previous generations as well. Exactly. So they might have had them for generations. We want to try and get it done in three sessions or whatever. So I think you answered the question perfectly because it's just, (laughs) although I don't want to make my life all about therapy, I also don't see, I I, I experience it as more of a journey, an ever ever increasing revealing more discovery and and these layers of the onion, so to speak. Um, And so it, it just, I think it helps. I mean, I, I don't like the pressure as a therapist if if we have to do it really quickly, but I also feel it almost puts the person into a state of fight, flight, freeze or whatever, because they're trying to do it so quickly and they're not letting the, the, the things relax and actually just have the natural dialogue they need. So anyway, I just wanted to put out there, it was, uh, I, I was asked about it this week, so I wanted to ask you. All right, getting into the questions I had for you. <laughs> Um, millions of people are dealing with uh, medical conditions and uh, um, I've been working with the mind-body connection for years and I recently did a course with you on medical conditions. Um, so I think some people might be listening today curious about how to use QEC on medical conditions and um, 
I'd like in your answer uh, to maybe make reference to oxidative stress, because that was a big thing that I don't think enough people know about that I picked up from your course. So I guess my question is, can you share how QEC can help with medical conditions? Um, I know you did a, a, a several week course on that, so <laughs> I know it's hard to share in a few seconds. Um, and also, can you make mention to oxidative stress in, in your response, please? Because I really want to put that out there. All right. So, wow, as you said, there was a five-week course to answer in in, in less than five minutes. <laughs> um, basically, you know, once again, remember I said that we are quantum holographic um, beings carrying this energy field. And we started off on the spiritual level and then we became mental and psycho-emotional. And when we start having problems, they generally start off at the spiritual level, then they drop down to the mental, then the psycho-emotional. And if we aren't able to deal with them at that level, they then express themselves as a physical problem, which then become the medical diagnosis. And then we pop off to the doctor and we get given pharmaceuticals and we get even more sick because we are now taking pharmaceutical agents. So it, it's a real mess. And in in actual fact, what, what oxidative stress is, is it's the warning signal to the body long before a problem becomes expressed as a, a medical problem, the heart attack, the blood pressure, the diabetes. Long before that happens, the body is already giving us signals that it's in stress. It's in stress because of something that's going on in our lives that's not, you know, when we're not happy with, um, and, and that's a range of stuff. So what is oxidative stress? It's, it's when the autonomic nervous system is switched on. Basically, everything comes back to the core of the body. The autonomic nervous system is like the trunk of a tree. And all the other systems in the body, from the immune system to the endocrine system and everything else, are all the branches that come out of this tree trunk. And the tree trunk has to be rooted. It has to be strong and grounded and centered. And that's what our nervous system is supposed to be like. Now, if we become stressed and it's not like that anymore, all the other systems go out of whack. And then we, we develop what's called oxidative stress. And if we don't pay attention to our stress, not long after that, we're going to start getting the first thing. And what will it be? It'll be the cough or cold, the sneezing, the so-called COVID as people, you know, everybody's going down with COVID now. I'm not surprised. It's just stress. It's oxidative stress. And once again, if we don't pay attention to it at that level and we leave it or we treat it with pharmaceuticals, the next thing we have then is our diabetes or our heart attack or our blood pressure because the body is getting more and more stressed and more and more debilitated. What we need to be paying attention to is the trunk of the tree is no longer standing firm anymore. So all its branches are, 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 are in danger and they're beginning to, to wilt. Do you see? Mm -hmm. So it's the nervous system that needs attention. And sadly, there's very few people that are giving nervous system attentions anywhere. It's not happening in, in mainstream anywhere. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, it, it's why I'm, I was so excited to learn this with you and, and to get into it. It just seems like when you get that sorted, so many other byproducts happen just all by themselves. 
Yes. You know? And it's quite, easy, it's quite easy to get sorted. It's not like it's a big problem. And you don't have to go off and buy anything or do or go, go through any expensive treatment. You just have to know what to do to get the nervous system back back on track again and then everything just settles the, the the medical problems go away even the addictions go away once you get the nervous system back on track but isn't that just so amazing i mean if, if you are you hearing what's being shared right now if you are overwhelmed by what's the underlying thing for this that or the next thing or you're trying to kind of figure out the focus on getting your autonomic nervous system back to balance let that be your first step and then see what re- reveals from there but it's a it's a wonderful yeah. observation, let's say. I'm not going to call it advice or anything, because it's a, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful observation of you. Thank you so much. All right. I want to move on uh, to your views on anxiety. Again, one of the big things people are dealing with is anxiety. And when someone's experienced it, it can be, it can be feeling very overwhelming and uncontrollable and, and very quite scary, actually. And we all, almost end up being scared of the fear itself, um, and it says this this uh, 360 loop that just goes round and round. Um, how can QEC help with anxiety? Well, you see, anxiety is the autonomic nervous system speaking to you loud and clear. It's the first signal that the nervous system has gone into fight and flight. That's what anxiety is. And when you don't deal with it, if you don't get relief from it, when it goes, it gets switched on into fight and flight. What is fight and flight? It's fight is, you know, fighting your your enemy and uh, flight is running away when the tiger is after you in the jungle. We're, we're, we're programmed to have the switch on when we're threatened. And all anxiety is, is the nervous system switched on saying we are being threatened. We need to pay attention to that. We need to stop the threat. Okay, but the problem is we don't recognize our threat because we're in a, a modern world. We're not in the jungle. We don't we don't really recognize what we've been threatened by. So much of it is unconscious stuff. Mm-hmm. And if we don't switch off our anxiety at that point, it goes to a higher level, which is then the panic. And that's when we get overwhelmed. It, it starts becoming panic attacks. So once again, there's only one treatment. You've got to switch the autonomic nervous system off. You've got to have the tools that do it. TRE, trauma release exercise, does it. It's very good at switching the autonomic nervous system off, but that's unfortunately all it does. It doesn't treat the cause. It only treats the symptom. What QVC does is it treats the cause and the symptom, and and, and fairly uh, swiftly, like this woman I told you today, uh, with by the next day, her anxiety was down 70-80%, and it was gone in, in three sessions. It can happen. Yes. It can happen. Yes. Um, staying with the emotions, is what, what would you say depression is when it comes to, like, the response? It, you know, there's other responses like would that be more freeze or or is it something different to that? You know, what where does depression sit within all of this? Depression is when anxiety is not um, dealt with and when other emotions that might be going up in the fight and flight, there's the fear goes up in fight and flight. But so do things like anger and so on. When all of these emotions are around too much and a person becomes overwhelmed, they then go even higher in the bell curve of the autonomic stimulation to the zone of freeze. It's it's the place of disconnection 
where your emotions numb out because the human body can only take so much overwhelm and then it has to numb out for safety. And that's where depression is. Depression is somebody who is now numbed out and disconnected to some degree from life. And the experience of that is called depression. There isn't a disease called depression. They've got it all wrong, you know, and then they put you on antidepressants. And the sad thing about antidepressants is they uh, keep you numbed out. Their focus is to make you numb out even more so that you don't have the overwhelm experience anymore. So you stay, you get stuck in freeze on antidepressants. I shouldn't give bad news here, should I? And the other bad news about antidepressants are they're addictive. So they're jolly difficult to come off. You know, they, uh, so anyway, yeah, that's depression. I appreciate everyone's unique, but how, how would you bring back someone from depression? Well, I would, uh, if somebody came to me saying they were suffering from depression and they were willing to have QEC with me, I, I always teach whenever I'm with people because I think that there's so little information and understanding. And I would explain where they were. I would look at what the causative factors of their depression were. I always ask, how long have you been depressed? And if they say for six years, I always say, what was going on in your life around six years ago? And invariably it's, well, I lost my wife. She died of cancer. You know, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And then I go, okay. So we've got a cause for why your system went completely out of whack and you became eventually numbed out. So we can come, you can come out of depression. We, we just simply give instructions to the nervous system to start coming back down to connection again to what I call a place of baseline where you are in touch with your emotions again. On the way down, it's a bit rocky, though. It's a little bit rocky because you'll feel for a week or so, you could feel a bit overwhelmed as you get in touch with those feelings again. This is the way I teach. Mm -hmm. So I warn them of what the path would be. But I also tell them it's only going to take two or three weeks to, to pass through that phase of feeling strong emotions. But I'm with you all the way. And you can come and see me more often. You can write to me. We can put in sentences to support you and so on. And most people opt to then take that journey and come out of depression, recover, stop taking the antidepressants. Uh, a, a lot of people will opt for that. But I don't expect anybody to to go on a journey without knowing what the journey is in, involves how long it's going to be and what you're going to feel. And I'm very, very honest with people. And sometimes people don't, don't want to do it. They go, no, it sounds too difficult. Not going to go there. So what I'm hearing is that people are going to fight or flight. If it's unresolved or they just don't, whatever, whatever reason, if it gets to overwhelm, they end up in freeze. And then as they come out of, which is more like depression, you kind of numb disassociation. And as they come out of depression, they can go through what's called the flood. Which is yeah. which is where you're referring to overwhelm, um, yeah. but that's on their their nervous system is re-regulating, but they're yeah. they're reconnecting with feelings again, and and then if if they don't freak out or run away from the therapist saying it's got worse <laughs> or whatever, and you actually they recognize what's going on, they can move through that and get back to a balanced, regulated, healthy, functioning autonomic nervous system. Yes, yes. And they're, and they're actually quite surprised at how quick it is. It's not like you have to go through that flood zone for weeks and weeks on ends. Not at all. It's just a few days usually. I found with my clients with QZ, like sometimes they need a few rebuild soothing statements around about that time. 
to to really help the the deal with because sometimes we didn't get the resources growing up as to how to deal with our emotions and what to do when we're flooding and so some support at that point is crucial but sometimes people run away and i'm like no this is it's working this is the very time you know how many times i hear from someone saying i want to do therapy with you but i'm going to wait until i'm feeling a bit better i'm like no this is the time to do the therapy (laughs) why are you waiting until things are better in your life until you start the therapy it's but so I'm putting out there, if you're one of them, stop waiting because the suffering can be over much quicker uh, if, <laughs> if uh, you take action now. OK, talking of a really tricky uh, emotion and, and, you know, there is a lot of people dealing with grief right now um, for multiple reasons. I'm, I'm seeing reports come out from multiple countries that death rates have increased quite dramatically uh, and uh, over the last year or so. I'm not going to talk about potential reasons why today, but there, there's, there is an increase uh, statistically right now and so more and more people are going to be dealing with uh, grief and so I'd love for you to share your take on grief and 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 how you would support someone through bereavement well I I personally believe that grieving is an important process and I would do everything I can to teach my clients about what it is what it involves and uh, encourage them to to engage with the process rather than numb out from it and push it away. I think that in our sort of modern world, we expect people to be over and done with their grief within two or three weeks. I remember after my baby died, I went back to work as a GP, and uh, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't handle it because I was working on a children's ward. Um, it was part of my sabbatical, was actually in a pediatric unit. And I went back to see my own my own GP and I said, I, I, I need longer to grieve. And he said, you've had three weeks, it's enough, come on. And at that point, I just shut down because I, you know, just couldn't handle it. So I think the expectation is it's, it should be over and done with quickly. Well, that's not grieving. The process of grieving can take months and depending on how long the relationship is, uh, if it's a two, you know marriage of twenty five years, you're going to spend two years grieving. That's just how it is. So grieving is a process, and what I explain to people is that first of all, it's necessary to open to it because it helps you to grow and helps you to to eventually bring that beloved one that you've lost into your heart rather than having them separated out from you by this big wall of unprocessed grief which is what will happen if you don't process it. So what is processing it? It's me spending time with a woman, with a person in their grieving process, using QEC to install supportive statements, to allow it, to feel it fully, to embody it, embrace it, that sort of thing. And also explain to them that it's never, it will never overwhelm. It's like um, a sort of... uh, I was going to say roller coaster. In the beginning, it feels like a roller coaster. You get moments of grief, and then you get moments where you feel absolutely fine. And the grief moments get wider and wider spaced. So although you might still have those moments two years later where you will remember your husband that died, it's only a moment out of a month. 
so they get wider apart. So again, I teach all of that, that it's a manageable process. We're human beings, we're meant to experience grief because it's part of our condition. And if we can allow ourselves and give ourselves permission to do that, we actually grow and we become deeper, better human beings because of it. Wow, beautiful. I remember um, I was reminded of a conversation I had with someone once, and I'm not proud of this. I was in a spiritual community that was teaching the opposite of what you're sharing right now. And uh, someone, Christina, actually sat down in front of me one time years ago and, and said uh, that someone she loved had died. And my response at that time was, oh, well, just be present. And it was such a, a bypassing thing, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of, Spirituality can involve some spiritual bypassing. And uh, when we get these spiritual concepts, we can almost start denying our, our human side and things. And that leads me to my next question. Um, when I first met you, I was in the process of getting out of a spiritual community that, in my opinion, had turned into a cult. And uh, I think you've worked with quite a few people from that. And you might share the same opinion with all that you've heard. I, I don't know. Um, but what I've observed is a lot of people get into spirituality when, to try and find things like peace and love and joy and oneness and stuff, when actually what they really could do with is some trauma healing. What's your observations with, with this and, and, the, and the relationship between spirituality and, and trauma healing? Well, I don't really have uh, much experience or connection with people in spiritual communities i think you, you guys were the first that i'd met and i was rather shocked uh to to hear what what was involved there i, I had no idea and I, I look i think that so many people are disconnected from themselves and they're searching for a connection and i think it can be quite a seductive offer to be told that you know if you come and join our spiritual community you will be connected not only to all these people, but you'll be connected to God. And But you've got to follow these rules and regulations in order to have that. You see, I think that that's what happens. And I think people get trapped because so many people are, are traumatized. And the biggest trauma that I see, the largest volume of trauma that I see is childhood trauma. And it comes in two forms. The one is neglect, where the child has not had that deep connection from either parent they are neglected so it's emotional neglect and the other one is abandonment where the parent is not is there but not there or actually abandoned uh, died or left and that deep trauma that emotional empty hole inside a, a child grows to be this searching you know, teenager or 20-year-old is looking for this kind of connection. And I think that these spiritual communities use and abuse those some, some, sometimes to, to some degree. That's what I'm imagining. It's certainly what I experienced through, through your experiences that you shared with me. So that could be part of the problem. And then there are probably other communities that do it just fine, and they do get a real connection. I don't know. I mean, I'm not not an authority on this. What I've seen is that when it comes to the causes of things, there's there appears to be both mind causes and kind of soul causes almost. You know, there's like mind answers and spiritual answers. And I love what you described earlier about the process of going from the spiritual through the levels to the physical level 
remember you shared that earlier in this conversation that seems very relevant to what we're talking about right now but i would i would i would urge everyone to maybe not create such a a barrier between these two methodologies they can co- coexist very well and sometimes when people get into spirituality they start going well i'm beyond therapy i shouldn't have to deal with that you know or or whatever and I, I'm, I'm trying to want to put out there a bit more of a, a unified uh, approach where the stigma is taken away, what, whatever path you're on. Anyway, um, I was, I'm glad you're, you know, you, I've, I experienced you as an incredibly spiritual person. It's funny that you say you don't seem to have much experience in spiritual communities, I guess. But what, what's, what's, what's spirituality to you? Well, I think it's it's a little bit the opposite of what's happening in many or well, in the spiritual group you're in. For me, spirituality is me. The first the first task is becoming connected deeply to myself, deeply to myself at, at a heart level, in the most um, compassionate and self accepting way that I can be. And it's only from that place that I can then begin to reach out and connect deeply in a spiritual, respectful, sacred way with other human beings, with nature, with the planet, and with uh, beings in other planes, which I now do connect with. I actually channel when I work. And that's only come in recent years. So, But it, it had to start here. It had to start with me. Because previously, when I was very traumatized, I was disconnected. I was in some kind of fairy tale realm. Those, that's not spirituality for me. Spirituality is being deeply centered and then able to radiate out from the core with, with everything that is. A little observation I, I saw recently, which links with this, is the uh, remember the uh, Hawkins uh, states of consciousness? I was looking at that and I, I saw that at the bottom are all the trauma response emotions. You've got yeah. shame, anger, uh, yeah. grief, uh, things like that. And then how is someone supposed to kind of rise up to these higher levels of consciousness if, like you say, they are disconnected or they are still physically traumatized and they're kind of stuck in these lower levels? It's almost like if you just clear that out, it's just natural to to rise up through these states of consciousness. Well, what, what's your take on that? Well, absolutely. I, I was um, sharing that diagram with somebody only yesterday, and I, I said that I call the zone under 200 the trauma zone. Right. And that until you have healed trauma, you cannot rise to a level of consciousness above 200 where you feel happy and productive. And if you keep working on consciousness, uh, if you if you keep improving your level of consciousness inside yourself, you you'll go higher and higher and higher in consciousness, and that's the path of spirituality. It's the the raising consciousness. So right there, you've got the acid test for anybody wanting to join any potential spiritual community. Ask the leaders, ask the teachers, or whatever. What have you done to heal your trauma? <laughs> and if they don't have an answer to that or they have some sort of gaslighting but spiritual bypassing answer you're probably pretty certain that although they might talk the talk they might still be stuck in the in the trauma zone like you're talking about the under 200 so there's a really good example you know i look at people that i could apply that to and i know they haven't healed it so 
they're talking the talk about the higher levels of consciousness, but the, the nervous system doesn't lie, does it? Yes. <laughs> Let me move on to the final part of what I want to talk about tonight. Manifestation. One of the things I love about QEC is you can use it for manifestation. And uh, <clears throat> it's not as simple as just popping in a few goals or affirmation, you know, things that you might want into there. Would you mind just so people have an understanding of how they could apply QEC to manifesting? Um, could you kind of share the couple, the, the kind of stages almost of manifestation using uh, QEC? Well, manifesting is about things in the future. It's mm-hmm. about, um, excuse me, uh, it, it could be anything. It could be from having success in the job interview tomorrow to finding my new relationship or, or, the, or the next house I want to move to. So so basically it's the same same technique of installing the goal at the subconscious level. And obviously the sentences have to be uh, structured in the present tense, because if we were to put them in the future tense, it would never arrive because our body uh, at the subconscious level is present tense. So you you would um, use the concept of, again, a miracle or a magic wand. The reason why I always offer that to, to my clients is because I want them to access their higher neocortex not just think of the next best thing, but think of the ultimate thing that they could have. So I say, if you had a miracle, you know, what would you like your next partner to be like? Let's see what all his features would be. What, you know, what does he look like? What does he like as a human being? And then we start structuring sentences. And before we actually get to those um, positive attributes, I, I would first of all want to check, do you have any any resistance or any blocks around having a new relationship because one of the things about manifestation is that we will block it if we have anything in our energy field that's fear or a no. So if we've had a bad relationship last time around, it could be that we don't trust men, you know, with, with black hair. You know what I'm saying? Just saying silly now. So I would, would want to release whatever that block is. I release my fear of with men of black hair. <laughs> and then we can move on to all the positive things. And this, the thing that has really surprised me in the manifestation exercises is how amazingly powerful it is and how quickly it comes. I actually warn people that you've got to be ready when you do it because it's sometimes the next day. It's that quick. And and if you don't have any resistance or any blocks and you've cleared them all, it really comes. I mean, it really comes. It's amazing. Beautiful. We've had every house that way. Every what was that? House. Every house we've manifested that way. That's really awesome. I think yeah. it's really important. It's, it's beautiful what you've shared, and it's it's just. An, I just wanted to make sure people are aware of that resistance bit, the blocks, the emotions, the beliefs, the past experiences. Again, it all starts with clearing out the way, clearing out the trauma or whatever, and then it's so much easier just to bring in uh, what they want. And one of the little things that you've I, I've seen with the work that you've done is that. I've seen a lot of people focusing on manifestation, but part of healing trauma I've observed is the need to rebuild needs and boundaries. Like the, it's it's almost like the, if you think needs are like the basics, the foundation, then wants it, you know, after that. And I've noticed that when people haven't even mastered the needs level in the game of manifestation, it's harder for them to uh, move on to the the wants and desires and things like that. So. I don't know. I just wanted to share that with you because it's something I've observed um, through the work that you've you've taught me is this needs and boundaries. So important. 
Yeah, and look, I I don't ever engage with doing manifestation in the early days. I always tell clients we leave that to the end because it's important to clear everything out the way first. It's so important to clear trauma, you know, uh, and, and clear the whole energy field and strengthen that tree trunk. I mean, you, you're in such a different place by having done that. Uh, and, and then, you you know, the, your, the world's your oyster after that. You've got a strong tree trunk, everything's ready to go, and then you can manifest whatever you want, the, the job or, or the new partner or whatever. Um, let me end with how we usually end our webinars. Do you want to just close by saying goodbye and how you found this interview and anything else you want to share to close off? Well, that, that, that'll that be a lot easier than trying <laughs> to think what, what message that I have because I have to think about a message. Look, I thoroughly enjoy it. I always love interviews with you, Sandy, so you can have me on any time. It's great talking to you. It's like we've been sitting over the table having a cup of coffee. It's fabulous. And one of these days I'll really do it with you. I'll come to Mexico. I, I cannot wait to sit across and have that cup of coffee with you. Thank you so much. What we're going to do is I'm going to bring this part of the interview to a close. And if you're going to stay online just a little bit longer in case someone in the room in, the, in, our, in my club has a quick, direct question for you, because it's a real benefit for them to be able to talk to you personally. But first of all, thank you very much for joining me for this interview with Dr. Millie Salmon, creator of QEC. Go to qecliving.com for more information about Melanie. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And don't forget, to experience QEC with me, then check out my website, minddetox.com, to book some one-on-one sessions with me.